Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Well, good afternoon. Hello, a warm welcome to The Call. This is the program. We detail 10 stocks picked by you with two expert guests. It takes place over an hour. It is the 3rd of February. I'm Nadine Blaney. So with me on the panel today, we have Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, and we have another Michael, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. I've told them both that if I say Michael, somebody just needs to answer. So great to have you guys both here with us, like well and truly, you know, back on deck for 2021. Right, yeah. Michael Wayne? Um, what do you make of where we sit in Australian equities right now, given we're heading into reporting season? Well, we've been going sideways really since end of October last year. Um, and as has become custom, the US has been leading the way sort of onwards and upwards, but we've been struggling to build any momentum. There's definitely been a lot of earnings upgrades from all the brokers across all the different sectors. So there is the fundamental basis for markets to be moving high. But I think if we can get a solid earnings season, we can get a few beats in expectations. I think the market can then take another leg high and potentially recapture the highs from February of, of last year. The big issue that we're going to have is most companies aren't going to give any firm guidance. They're mm-hmm. still going to be either blaming COVID um, for not being able to do that or blaming COVID for their bad results. So it's going to be difficult, I think, for the market to get too excited. But I'm, I'm confident that we can have a good year, but it always concerns me when everyone's very optimistic. Quietly optimistic yeah. is Michael Wayne. So maybe you could talk to us about that leg up and the potential of it. Mm. Talking technicals? Yeah, sure. So I'm still of the opinion that by the end of the year, our market will be higher. I think there's still further upside in terms of the stimulus money, the, the low interest rates, the recovering economy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, earnings season will be very interesting to, um, to see what the companies have to say. Um, shorter term, however, just a little bit worried about how this market is trading. And I think a lot of that's coming obviously from the volatility in the US. So we've seen volatility spike um, in, in the US and we had a couple of pretty bad down days. I know the last few days have looked pretty good for our market on the surface, but um, there is a bit of you know rotation going on here. I mean, mid last week we started to, for our clients, just lighten off on our resources holdings and, and some, of our, some of our tech stocks just based on the way they're trading. And again, today you could see that the market looks like it's up strongly, um, but resources aren't doing too well, tech stocks are struggling. Um, you know, Macquarie Group, which is a good sort of bellwether for, I guess, a bit of a risk on market, um, isn't really making much ground here. So shorter term, we're just a little bit cautious, but we'd be using any sort of weakness over the next few weeks in conjunction with any good um, company reports to you know, get back in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, into the market in good stocks at hopefully better levels. Hard to have cash on the sidelines in this environment. So that is the backdrop to everything that we'll be speaking of today. Let's get to it. Our stock of the day is rent.com.au. It's share price closing up over 200% yesterday. 
after tech entrepreneur Bevan Slattery unveiled plans to invest $2 million in the company. This is a company is set to launch RentPay, which will allow users to manage and track all rental payments. I spoke earlier with CEO Greg Bader. Let's take a listen in to what he had to say. The challenges we had with rent is we had less than 700 shareholders on our register. So we were really unknown. I mean, we're the largest renting portal in Australia or about the third largest property portal in Australia. And in terms of property apps, we're the number one rated in both the Apple huh. and the Google store. So to our customers, we're well known. To the wider audience of investors or mums and dads, less known. Yeah, I thought I'd just let the CEO tell you about the company himself. So, gentlemen, Michael's in the studio. Did you have to do your research on rent.com.au? I must admit, I did. Um, and it's interesting, this business has been around and listed since the, the mid-90s. Um, it's an interesting company. They've got a few different services. They're obviously looking to launch this new particular service. But it's a company that's struggled for some time. Um, but Bevan Slattery, he's got a very good track mm -hmm. record, Pipe Networks, Next DC, Superloop, these sorts of companies. So when he makes a, an investment of this size, people stand up and notice uh, whether or not it justifies a 300% jump in the share price or 200% jump in the share price remains to be seen. Um, but it, it looks like they're going head to head at the moment with sort of REA and Domain when it comes to rental ads. They've also got a platform for landlords, um, whether or not that's best in the market is debatable as well. There are other alternatives such as rentbetter.com.au and all these other things. But this particular product which they're looking to, to get launched seems to make sense. But it's a very small company that's generating only sort of two, two and a half million in revenue per year. So it's a small company with a great URL <laughs> and, and fingers crossed for shareholders of rent.com.au that Bevan Slattery can sprinkle some of his magic dust. Yeah, well, they're talking about product development yeah. and also spending on sales and marketing, but I'm gonna push you. So this is yeah. not a buy for you because mm. of the size of the company yeah. or because uh, you're just not willing to get in now with the growth trajectory unknown. Well, that's the thing. Based on the business as it currently stands today, I couldn't buy it. Um, however, over time, they might evolve and develop new products, which might then start to jumpstart revenue growth. And if that was the case, then I would start to look at it. But for now, it's way too small for our investors. Uh, the business in its current form isn't that exciting. Uh, so based on its past track record, I can say no deal. How about you? Yeah, um, look, ultimately no. I mean, to put it all in perspective, um, you know, Bevan paid five cents a share, it's trading up at 20 yeah. cents. So, you know, you're paying four times more than, I guess, what he thinks the company is worth right now. So, you know, you're, you know, you're taking a bet that this is gonna be a great thing in a number of years because it'll take years to turn it around. It'll take a lot more cash injections from shareholders, including yourself. If you end up buying it, you may well have to be tapped on the shoulder a few times to put more money in. Um, and I guess there's no guarantee. Yes, he has a great track record, but you know, it doesn't always work out 100% with these guys. I mean, sometimes they do invest in something that just doesn't work out. So you need to have a bit more of a safety margin, I think, if you were going to back this. And I think, buying it two days up after such a strong move like this is leaving yourself quite exposed. So yeah, in other places of the market, stocks that have built a base like this and then broken out, in the last few days, they haven't followed through. Um, they, they seem to be getting sold down. So I think this is one that you can keep on your radar, um, let everyone get excited for a few days. It may well then spend a few months just drifting back as everyone starts to um, you know, take profits and um, 
you know, get a bit bored with it. And then when it settles down, you can get back in. Maybe it's back at 10 cents. Mm -hmm. But I think after a lot of exuberance like this, um, yeah, you're leaving yourself sort of out there. Yeah. All right. And uh, the share price, I will say, this is time stamping 10 past 12 on this Wednesday afternoon, up a further 40%. So that is the stock of the day. It is not a buy from either of our Michaels in studio with me. So let's get to the companies that you picked uh, out there. Phil, I hope you're watching or listening. You've asked for an opinion on Gold Road Resources. G-O-R is the ticker code. I might start with you, Michael Gable. Yes. Gold Road Resources. So December quarter production, mm. costs, cash build, all in line with forecasts, according to Macquarie. Um, you know, gold is often yeah. looked upon as a pretty good hedge against inflation. We know what's going on with liquidity around the world. How do you view Gold Road? So in terms of gold overall, it should do better this year because the US dollar should continue to decrease. However, short term, as I mentioned at the start of the show, commodities look to be under a bit of pressure. There seems to be a bit of a movement higher at the moment in the US dollar. And um, actually, a point I didn't make at the start of the show was some of the stocks that are looking good today are those that are US dollar sensitive. So um, aristocrat, James Hardy, CSL, Cochlear. So very interesting to see that um, the market seems to believe that the US dollar's got a little bit of upside in the short term. So that won't really give you much upside in gold in the short term. Beyond that, gold should be okay. Gold Road itself as a company, I think looks, you know, for, for, for stocks in that sort of size, obviously it's a lot smaller than your Newcrests and your Northern Stars. Yeah, they're cashed up, debt-free. Um, yeah, as a business, it looks good. I think the chart looks good. It looks like it's finding support in the sort of $1.20 region. So look, ultimately I'd say this is a yes, even though in the short term it might not do anything for you. Okay, um, Michael Wayne, Wayne, I don't know what your friends call you for a nickname. What is it? Can oh, we repeat it on <laughs> Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gold Road Resources. So, you know, it's got this Groyer uh, project. Um, it's got processing potential there. Um, what, what are some of the sort of key drivers that might be on the table for Gold Road? Well, there's always with gold companies, there's the gold price, which is obviously first and foremost. Um, the, the currency is another big thing, now, particularly if they're Australian producers. Um, recently, we've had the gold price under pressure. We've also had the Australian dollar have a, quite a big leg up from around 70 US cents up to 77. So that has both negative impacts for mm -hmm. these types of companies. But for this particular business, their costs of production, all in cost production, are about twelve seventy an ounce. So when you look at today's gold price in Australian dollar terms versus their all in cost of production, they should be generating very good cash flows, and they have been in recent years, and they delivered uh, results basically in line um, in their most recent update. So this is a, a pretty good gold company that's emerged quite well in recent times. They've got a couple of different assets, I think, from my understanding. But compared to sort of the established players such as Northern Star, Evolution um, and Saracen, it's hard to give this one as much of a look in. Um, we've been bullish on gold in recent years. We've been less bullish in recent times, mainly because of the Aussie dollar moving higher. Uh, the fact that long end bond yields have started to push higher at the 10 year and 30 year area. So for that reason, we're a little bit 
cautious at the moment on gold. But we ha- and with Gold Road, you could do a lot worse, but we think you can do a bit better as well in yeah. some of the other names. So it's not a buy for me. Okay, good. Um, Adbri is the next company on our list. This is a question coming to us from Brian. So we have the construction index released today. Building is going really strong, particularly when it comes to houses. Multi-residential, not so strong. But we've also got, you know, plans for big infrastructure spending as well. Is Adbri a company that is well-placed to take advantage of some of those thematics? Look, it's definitely amongst a cohort of businesses that will be competing for these projects in infrastructure. And when the budget was released last year, there was a big increase in the amount of infrastructure spending, but there's no, guarantee or it's not a foregone conclusion that Adelaide Brighton or Adbri, I think it's called today, um, will be the beneficiary of that. Um, Sure, um, single dwelling houses or residential houses have been doing very well. Apartments have been struggling, which means they need to get a pretty big share of the infrastructure pie to make up for what they're missing out on in the multi-storey, multi-residential buildings. So for me, it's not the best of breed in that area. Only a couple of years ago, um, Adelaide Brighton were forced to cut their dividend to zero. They had a couple of halves, I think, without paying a dividend, which for a business like that uh, is being a mainstay. They've paid a consistent dividend really for decades, and all of a sudden overnight they were forced, given the, the change in the residential construction market, to cut their dividend to, a very, to zero, and now it's only recovered to a very low level. So for mine, I think there are probably better alternatives if you're looking for a turnaround uh, and you're looking for a business to benefit from this infrastructure boom. Name Companies one. like Borrell, probably. Okay. Um, and then James Hardy, although it's a, a similar company, it's not the same. They've got more international exposure. That's probably a better construction company as well. Okay. Um, Adbri, ABC is the ticker code. It's taken us a while to get used to calling yeah. it Adbri. You're yeah. not alone. What do you make of it? Um, they should be doing well. I mean, the, the figures out today confirm that it's in the right sector, but... I guess we've all sort of known this for a while. We've known that um, construction should should be booming and the share price for Adbri has just been pretty pathetic, to be honest. It just hasn't kept up with its, with its peers. I mean, they've, they lost a, um, uh, a line contract with Alcoa early, mm-hmm. I think it was early in the year, late last year, picked one up with, with South, South 32. 32. So look, there's been a few things happening, but I agree with Michael, it's not the best of breed in this sector. So it looks like the share price is going to have a bit of a bit of an uplift here in at least the short term, but um, I'd rather be in you know, James Hardy, CSR or, or Borel um, mm-hmm. at this point in time. So okay. for me. Brian, that is the answer. It was pretty clear and pretty consensus from both of our Michaels here in studio. Bubs is on the list. Jimmy, if you're out there, this one is for you. BUB is the ticker code as well. Uh, listen, I spoke with um, the CEO of Forbidden Foods that has just done a deal with Tmall to direct sell to Chinese consumers. Is that a better strategy than this Diagu sales channel that Bubs has relied heavily on? Because yeah. we've seen the vulnerabilities there, haven't we, Michael? It was always, I think, the hope of Bubs and A2 Milk that they'll evolve their sales strategy away from that grey market Daegu channels to more conventional channels. Um, but what the, the COVID situation has really shown or brought to the fore is how much these companies still rely on these unconventional channels um, and so far it hasn't bounced back nearly as strong and that we won't bounce back for a period which is remaining indefinite we still don't know when international travel is going to start up again um, and what they've struggled to do is they've struggled to 
um, resupply the market and find ways around the Daegu. So they haven't been able to pick up the slack, so to speak. So I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, and for that reason, their cash flow is going to continue to struggle, which means they're going to not be able to spend as much on marketing and advertising to maintain what is a very strong position for Bubs in that market. I think they're amongst the top three brands in China. Um, the customer recognition for their brand is very, very strong. But if you haven't got the money coming in the door from your most relied upon channels, it's very hard to maintain that position, particularly when you're competing against many larger international competitors, which are equally or trying equally as hard to enter that market. So that remains the, the great unknown for now. Okay, so this is not it's on a, your not list. It's not a buy, no. And no. I think the A2 Milk, which is probably a, a, an even higher quality company um, that's been entrenched in the market for an even longer period of time, has been struggling. It's going to be equally as hard, if not harder, for people like Bubs to, mm -hmm. to maintain their position. So uh, do you have any differing opinion on Bubs? I mean, it mm. could come through this period. It could be a leaner company. It could be, uh, you know, what, what yeah. could potentially be a catalyst to move the share price higher? I think there'd have to be some sort of outside big cash ejection because, yeah, I 100% agree with Michael. They've, you know, the cash burn there and, they've, and they're now reducing their marketing spend. So mm -hmm. just when they need to be increasing it because yeah. of the... Um, their problems with the Daigu channel, um, they're decreasing it. So it's it's sort of like a, a spiral downwards. I mean, they need some sort of circuit breaker, to, you know, an, a bigger investor or somebody to come in. Um, you know, is the brand attractive enough for that? I, you know, who who knows? But um, look, it. I suppose the one thing I could say is I have noticed the chart looks really interesting as as a trade. I mean, it uh, when they announced. Um, you know, all of this uh, a number of days ago, it actually uh, didn't surprise the market. So maybe it was so oversold that it had a really, you know, cracking day up on volume about a week ago. And it looks like it, it might try to head higher, but as a, a longer term investment here, um, yeah, I think there are too many challenges. Too many headwinds for good old Bubs. BUB is the ticker code there. Now, in the food space as well, we've got a company called Wide Open uh, Agriculture. Uh, we've got this question coming to us. I like having the name from Fan. Now, this is a company that we've spoken with a couple of times on the program here in Ausbiz. Um, did you have to do your research or do you, did you know the company, Michael? I didn't know it, to be yeah, honest. Okay. Sorry, I must have missed those shows when no, you that's, <laughs> spoke hey, about you it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it's in the sort of natural food yeah. space and it's looking to grow it outside you know just mm. the australian market but it has been you know it's got revenue just under a million dollars that was reported a few weeks ago yeah. uh, the full development of its oat up product is uh, coming within one calendar year so it's in this innovative kind of area of the food market mm. fundamentally does that appeal to you it's it's a growth area that's that's for sure and and i think ag agriculture generally in australia is you know got a bit of a tailwind for obviously there, it's you know there's a lot of weather related issues and um but yeah they, as you say they've, they've got some products that are going to market they're making money um obviously they're not making a, a profit because they're still trying to expand but they're only in wa mm -hmm. by the looks of it and they've obviously got plans to expand to the rest of the rest of the country you know they're talking about growing food ethically and um you know, trying to regenerate the soil mm -hmm. and, um, you know, put it in a good condition without using a lot of pesticides and, and so on. So all of this is appealing to, there is a big market out there that does find that sort of stuff appealing. So yes, there's potential there. 
Um, I guess it comes down to the individual investor. How early stage do you want to step in? I know that you know, a lot of analysts out there would say it doesn't have a certain number of year of certain number of years of profits yet. Um, but you know everything comes at a price. And look, the way it's trading at the moment, we could see on that chart, you know, seventy five cents. It's been as high as a dollar eighty. So it's on a bit of a slide at the moment, but it'll settle down and then, you know, there might be a more acceptable price level um, where you're not taking a huge risk. And I guess to go back to that first stock we're talking about, the rent, the yeah. R&T stock, I mean, that's doing that, what we could see to the, you know, that huge line up on the screen there. In this case, um, wide open agriculture went from about 40 cents to $1.80 um, in the space of a couple of weeks, but now it's settling down and, you know, the R&T, that'll do something similar. but. The good thing about this is it is starting to settle down and at some point, um, you know, all the people giving up and the selling will be out of there because the volumes have been pretty low on the way back. And if you're happy to try something early stage like this, you might have a buying opportunity pretty soon. But I do see, um, yeah, I do see the potential there. Um, so what, what, Michael, would be a reasonable uh, price to enter into a company like that, do you think? If, even if so, you're just going based on those chart movements. So with, with charts, so I don't necessarily want to just buy at a particular price. Mm -hmm. um, we need to see uh, basically the daily volatility settle down, which is starting to happen. And then what you want is a day where perhaps it gaps up, it then closes on its high. Uh, it might be up 20% mm -hmm. and there might be huge volume, but usually that's your, that's your turnaround signal. Um, so if I'm trading these, even if I'm just trading these things, what I'll look for is, you know, especially volume, if it's up quite a massive amount compared to the previous day, mm -hmm. even if the stock's up 20, 30%, you'll find that it will just continue to, mm -hmm. to kick on from there. So we might be close to that. It might still be a number of months away, but um, if it's on your watch list, just wait for that first big day up, look for the volume, wait till the end of the day to make sure everyone's not selling mm -hmm. into it. Um, and that would be my entry point. So. So overall, you don't mind this as a small portion mm. of a portfolio. It's in the specy end, the small end. Just yeah. be conscious of that. Can I call it a buy from you? Yeah, look, they've, they've got their act together. It looks like a business that looks like they've, they're heading down the right mm. track. As I said, they've got the products. They're making money. They're, they're expanding. It seems to be growing at a nice rate that's not you yeah. know, too crazy. Yeah, look, I think it looks like okay. a good business. Interesting, because you know when you go to order a coffee, there's many milks on offer. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who are jumping on the healthy bandwagon, even in this new year, yeah. Michael, I'm sure. So when you look at a company like this, I know it's in the smaller end of the market, which doesn't necessarily always appeal to you, but what do you make of, of this company? Look, it, it's altruistic. Um, it's certainly a, a noble thing that they're looking to do, but there's two parts of the business. There's obviously the, the, the healthy products grown right, connecting customers to, to innovative and, and clean ways of farming, which is great. But then there's the other part of the business, which is managing farmland in Western Australia. And whichever way you dress up a company like this, it's still at the mercy of the same things as, as any other agricultural business. And, and to use a cliche, um, these ag businesses, the cycle's unknown, it's very volatile, and it's very, very sensitive to, to price changes in global markets and currency changes, etc. So these businesses, there are so many variables at play that it's hard to get all aspects of the companies moving in the right direction at the right time. And for that reason, we typically avoid agricultural mm -hmm. businesses, of which wide open agriculture is one. So for us, it's a no. Um, also, going back to their consumer products business, 
again, these are very sensitive to price. People are willing to pay a small premium, I suppose, or a premium for, for better alternatives. But at what point do people start to turn away if the price gap starts to blow out too far? So I think that's another thing to consider as well. At the moment, relative to some of their competitors, um, their pricing is actually quite good. And, and in things like oat milk and whatnot, there's a, a huge market for it. But again, I think there's quite, it's quite elastic to different changes in, in price. And these things can be quite fatty That's too, right. as well. Okay, so that is wide open agriculture. And the last question, uh, well, until we get to the halfway mark, I should say, Ophir High Conviction Fund, OPH is the ticker code. This is a question coming to us from Darren. Michael Wayne, I'll start with you. So we got a bit of a look in um, yep. as to what's in this lick. Um, A2 Milk Afterpay, I think, uh, Domino's, Next DC Zero. Yep. Do you know it? Do you like it? Yes, I know it. And I think these fund managers are, are great, really, um, looking at them over a, a number of years. We have a couple of clients in this particular LIC, and it's done very, very well since it listed a couple of years ago. Um, Andrew Mitchell's a, a very good fund manager. Um, he's grown his business very, very well, but the funds have performed very, very well too. And Look, the, the one concern I do have about this particular um, LIC is that it does trade at a big premium now to net asset value, which mm -hmm. is probably not ideal. Um, over the long run, will we be able to sustain that premium to market? So effectively, if you're an investor in OPH at the moment, for every dollar that the share portfolio is worth, you're paying about a dollar ten or something like mm -hmm. that. It's about 10% premium. So. You might want to wait and hold off on that to hopefully see it come back to net tangible assets, but that might never occur. Look at Wilson Asset Management's mm -hmm. WAM. It's traded on a big premium for, for almost a decade now. But this particular business has had a growth focus. So as an investor, you need to understand the underlying investments that make up the portfolio. And growth, high PE, high growth has done very, very well in recent times. The question is if the market does rotate towards a more of a, a value um, thematic or value driver, will this fund be able to do as well as it's done in recent years if it doesn't change its strategy somewhat? So they're all things that you need to consider. But by and large, um, I like the businesses that they hold amongst their top 10. I think there's things like Seek, Next EC, you touched upon Afterpay, um, and, and Zero. These are the sorts of companies that we actually like as well. So sometimes you want to diversify away from your own way of thinking, yeah. and your own strategy. But all in all, I think you can do a lot worse than looking at this LIC. So I'm going to give it a, a buy based Ooh, on... getting a buy. Sorry, I thought its, you were um, leading us no, down I'm going the to lead you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying from, from our perspective, yeah. because we have a very similar approach, it would be, there's a lot of overlap going on there. But for other but investors for out there... investors who yeah. might be more value orientated or who, or who might have their own way of looking at the markets and might have a heavy bank focus or heavy mm. mining focus, this is, I think, a very good way to get exposure to some growth end of the market through a good quality active manager. Good. And I will put it out there, I usually try to do it once in a program, is keep in mind everything that we discuss yeah. here is information and you need to take your own personal circumstances yeah, into account and get advice. Okay, I've done that, put that caveat out for both of you guys. What do you make of, um, of mm. uh, Ophir? Um, no, I have to echo um, what Michael said at the beginning. I mean, they got these guys have done a really good job. Um, you know, they've grown the fund really well and they've had the, um, the performance to back it up. So. Um, yeah, they've done extremely well. I guess it just comes down to, for me, whether, um, you know, as the individual investor, you want to invest in these funds or not. So in terms of what I do for clients, I wouldn't buy it because I'm buying zero and have to pay and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing those things directly. And 
Um, and as Michael said, there's always a risk that, that you do that and then you, you double up. I mean, I see new clients come to me with portfolios of the banks and all this, and then they've got you know, a whole bunch of other LICs, which are essentially top 20 funds, and they, they don't realize that, that they're doubling up. So, um, so I wouldn't buy it, not because it doesn't perform really well, but because you know, in that small to mid cap space, I'm already in that space. I'm mm-hmm. happy to buy the zeros and the afterpays and, and do that myself and be able to move out mm-hmm. um, when I need to. Um, but again, if you're an investor that just doesn't have that, that skill and you just want to buy a few LICs to cover you for this part of the market mm-hmm. and that part, um, then I, you know, I think you can't really go much better than this one because of its performance. I'm going to call that a buy. Right, we'll I'm calling that a buy. So that means it'll be going into the fund, uh, the Ausbiz uh, fund. So OPH is the ticker code for that one. And just speaking of that fund, we have been putting things into our own portfolio since the 1st of July of last year. And that's thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. So all the companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our experts on the show we've been putting in. And uh, this is how it's tracking so far weekly. We're down one and a half percent around about there the month. We're down by about half a percent. On the year to date though, since July 1st of 2020, we're up over 24 and a quarter percent. So uh, taking a look at some of the stocks we've been adding recently, well today we've added uh, OPH and we've also recently added JB Hi-Fi. Telstra, that's an interesting one, SciTech Pivot, 40S, and Orthocell. And you can check out all of the companies that we have in the portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. It's .co, not com. We get a lot of emails about that one. Uh, Listen, we um, have just a programming note for you. We've got uh, Sulin Ong joining us from RBC Capital Markets at 1.40 p.m. to talk us through what's going on at the National Press Club in terms of the, uh, the Reserve Bank Governor, Phil Lowe. But before we get to our next five companies, I'll take you through what we've learned so far from our experts, Michaels, here today. For our stock of the day, which is rent.com.au, it is a no-go from both of the gents. For Michael Wayne, it's just, look, it's way too small. Uh, it has a lot of, of proof still to come, proof of concept. Um, ultimately, it's a no from Michael Gable as well. He says that it can take you know, years to get a company like this really uh, ticking along. And for that, it will likely need more cash. And that will be coming from you, essentially, if you are a shareholder. So the stock of the day is not going in the portfolio. And we get to Gold Road Resources. So look, um, you need to keep in mind currency in terms of gold. Michael Wave said, Wayne says that Gold Road Resources is pretty good on terms of cost control. But there are better names out there in the space. Northern Star, Evolution, Saracen. Gable agrees. He's saying that, look, you know, gold should do pretty well in this environment. And for its size, Gold Road does pretty good. Not knocking the company. Um, but, uh, you know, there are other players out there. However, it is a buy from him because it's pretty solid. It's like cash position looks good. It is uh, really debt free. OK, Adbri is the next one on the list. In this environment, uh, Michael Gable says this company should be able to keep up with its peers, but it's not. So it's not best of breed. You don't need to buy Adbri. There are others in the space, CSR, 
think James Hardy as well. Same goes for Michael Wayne, so in agreement here. Borel would be a, a better play in contrast to Adbry. It's just not really done much, and the dividends aren't going to bring you much joy either, at least in the short to medium term. Bubs, uh, look, again, they're both agreeing on this one. This is not a buy. Uh, they're pulling back on marketing spend at a time that Michael Gable says they really need to be pushing ahead with marketing spend. So there's not really a catalyst to move this company forward when you consider, again, it may need some big investor coming in to help push it along. Uh, it's just risky for Michael Wayne. It's become really evident in this pandemic that it's traditional, although unconventional sales channel, the agri channel into China has really not come to fruition. Just too many unknowns there. Wide open agriculture. It's got agriculture in the name that enough is it puts it off the buy list for Michael Wayne from Medallion. Look, it's still an agribusiness. We know that they're cyclical and they are at the mercy of weather. And don't forget uh, changing taste when it comes to what we consume. However, in terms of Michael Gable for wide open agriculture, look, it, it has potential. It's still in the early stages. There's still a lot uh, to happen, but you should follow the price. And if you're a believer in the fundamentals and it fits in with your portfolio, then it could be a potential buy at the right price. Uh, and then that takes us to Ofer, and this was a buy from both of the gentlemen. Look, uh, the only caution that Michael Wayne has is that it's a lick. So it's trading at a premium to its nav. You want to watch out for that. Maybe pull or maybe buy on a bit of a pullback. Michael Gable says, make sure you're not replicating what you already have in your portfolio, considering what Ofer invests in. However, it's best of breed, one of them in this uh, fund management space, the lick space. So that's a buy. I think that is a pretty good wrap. Let's move on. We've given the guys a chance to wet their whistles. Let's get right to it. Alexia has written in and she'd like to know about Flight Center. What can we say, guys, about Flight Center? It's got a liquidity runway that takes it to about July 2022, which is good. However, there's still so many unknowns when it comes to international travel. That's the problem. I mean, if you could time this well or perfectly, I think you could do very, very well. Uh, but the problem is we just don't know at the moment when international travel is going to take off again. And not only international travel, but specifically corporate travel. Um, the main driver of growth for Flight Centre uh, going forward is expected to be corporate travel. Um, and that's been a part of the business that they really got going quite nicely. But again, we're not really sure if that's going to pick up anytime soon. And when it does pick up, will corporates be travelling as much as they have in the past? Yeah. Um, but Flight Centre, they've got... They've done a big capital raising, which was very dilutive, but was necessary. Um, they've recently put together a convertible note, which has given them that liquidity runway. So they will be able to survive. Um, but like everyone else, they're sort of watching the government, waiting for borders to re reopen. And, and at the moment, we just have an indefinite No timeline. clarity. I mean, just look what's happening in Perth right now with the hard exactly. lockdown. Exactly. One, one case or whatever it is, and a whole state goes into lockdown. So even if you think you have a bit of an idea of how and when borders are going to open, it's up to each individual state. It looks like each might react differently um, and it just creates that uncertainty. Now, who would have thought that a year on we're no less we're no more certain today than we were back then. Hey, I was just saying that in the yeah. newsroom. I had no, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You still yeah. can't travel. Um, so it's not a recovery play for oh, you. It is. I mean, our, prefer our preference for getting exposure to the turnaround in tourism, which we think will one day turn around, has been for things like Sydney airports, Auckland International airports. Um, they still got some business coming in. They still got some cash flow coming in and they are lower risk. So. They are lower risk than say your Webjets and your flight centers. Mm -hmm. um, so for now, for us, that's our preferred play on the reopening 
of tourism. Um, once we get a bit more clarity, we'll look to probably jump onto things like Webjet, maybe Flight Centre as well. Um, but for now, it's just a little bit too early for us. Mm -hmm. Have you, Michael Gable, been a holder in you know mm. web, web jets of the world, flight centers of the world previously? Are you now yeah. banking on that recovery story? Yeah, so we've um, you know we've been playing around in this this sector. Um, at the moment, it looks like um, you know at the moment you don't want to be over. So we're not we don't have our sort of overweight in the sector anymore. It does look like it's still on the nose a bit because of. Um, yeah, all the border issues. I think as soon as, you know, in New South Wales, we had the um, the, the breakout there on the northern beaches, and then um, and then the other states closed their border to us straight away. I think that sort of told us that there's there's no point booking holidays mm -hmm. anywhere in another state, um, and we've continued to see it with with Western Australia as well. So that's that's making the trade a bit harder at the moment. So that'll make more investors give up on these stocks, and I think there will be a point when they're a buy again. Um, I'm not looking to buy them, uh, buy back in at the moment. Um, they do continue to look weak, but look at some point everyone will give up and then uh, they'll be at a, a low enough price that um, you know, it'd be worth having a, having a dabble because we know that we will be eventually traveling again. And one of, you know, one of the key differences now compared to, you know, when we're talking about travel stocks um, sort of end of last year is of course we, we do have a vaccine. I mean, six months ago we were speculating whether a vaccine would be around or not. So um, eventually a yes, at the moment it's a no. Okay, Flight Centre is a no. Alexia, thank you for writing in. Richard has contacted us. He would like to hear about IDP education, I-E-L is the ticker code. Now, I was just reading some of the broker reports on it. Thanks to FN Arena, thanks Rudy. Buy, overweight, upgrade to add, outperform, buy. Brokers are all really positive on IDP education, particularly after the update that came through from the company, I think it was last week. Um, is it too late to hop on the IDP education bandwagon? Look, I would be, reticent to jump in just before a report um, just given there might be a little bit of too much optimism built into the price but in saying that IDP education is one we've held uh, for clients in the model portfolio for, for four or five years okay. now so it's a very good quality company um, basically what they do is they take students um, from emerging markets such as China but mainly India these days and, and other parts uh, of Southeast Asia and place them in universities in Western societies whether that's Australia, US, mm -hmm. UK etc. So that's one part of their business and the other part of their business is the English language testing systems the which IELTS, we use the IELTS which yeah. is co-owned with a number of universities globally um, and that's a very very good product as well and that's entrenched as the go-to standard in English testing around the world. So they've got a very good market position. In fact, I think one day it was actually owned by Seek and they spun it out mm -hmm. going back a while. Um, but obviously there's been a big issue with international students not coming to Australia. They've been very good at pivoting to a bit of an online digital presence, which has actually helped them boost up their margins and, and improve their competitive position relative to their peers. So. For us, we think that once international students start to come back into the Western economies, um, they're in a very good position to benefit from that. Uh, universities are cash-strapped at the moment. They're going to be desperate for students, so they're going to be begging people like IDP or IEL to, to find them students to place into their unis. So from our perspective, 
This was probably the report of the full year reporting season in mm. August. They surprised the market and the, the share price jumped an astronomical amount. Can they back it up this time around remains to be seen. Um, I probably would wait for their report or at least maybe put half in before the report and half in after. But I'm going to give it a buy because we, we like the company. We've been invested in it for a while and it's fundamentally a very strong business with a good long-term tailwinds, which is emerging middle classes through Asia who place a big emphasis on tertiary education, finding students in Western universities. So I think uh, it's a buy from us. All right, IDP education. So should investors be a bit wary considering the share price gains that it has mm. seen to Michael's point since August? It would make me a bit yeah, wary of buying it here um, because it is back to where it was um, pre-COVID and you know we do have those headwinds so I think buying it at $23, dollars you're not leaving yourself as much of a I guess safety margin as you could have mid last year where you, you know when it was back at say $14 um, and sure all the brokers are quite positive but you know the cynic in me says well that, that makes it a sell I mean Look, before they reported in August, there was um, some negative um, analyst commentary, and then they the share, they reported and the share price jumped thirty percent. Um, I think buying something up here just before it reports, yeah, there's always that risk that um, it goes back to where it was um, a few months or so ago. So, look, as a business, obviously they've done really well, but um, for me, the price is is an issue. Yeah. Okay. That's IDP Education for Richard. Chris is asking about Sonic Healthcare. Uh, SHL is the ticker code. I think that this is an interesting company. I mean, it has clearly been, it, it's in one of those positions that so many companies have found themselves in where they're a beneficiary um, yep. because of the pandemic, but then there's the flip side to that one as well. Michael mm. Gable, I'll start with you on Sonic. Um, yep. The FY21 earnings are on February 18th, 2021. Obviously we're hanging out to get a lot more clarity then, yeah. but if it's a company and you're looking at the prospects today, would you be buying Sonic Healthcare? Um, if they weren't reporting so soon, I'd be almost about to buy it. I mean, I, when I look at the chart, it, it's, it's consolidating. I need to see a bit of a break above, clear break above, say about 36, and it looks like, well, it's having a good day today, so maybe, <laughs> that's, the, maybe that's the break. But um, yeah, as you say, they're, they're benefiting from, from COVID, and I've, I've avoided buying companies that benefit from what's happening right now, because as you know, we need to look forward. And once we get over what's happening now, you know, the company needs to be benefiting from what's ever going to happen in the future. And, um, but, but you're right. So these, they benefit from what's not only happening today, but you know, the, the testing will continue on. And the, the flip side of all the extra COVID testing is the fact people aren't getting tested as much for other mm -hmm. ailments as they were before. So if that goes back to where it should be then yeah. you know I, I think I think they'll do okay um, for earnings so I just want to make sure that the report is okay and um, you know there's no nasty surprises there uh, you know probably one of the only other things that might hinder any sort of share price movement is just you know big sort of sector rotational stuff happening I mean we could see that some of the other big healthcare names have lagged in the last few months or so so if that I guess theme continues for a bit longer you might be disappointed yeah. for a period of time, but longer term, it, it's looking like the business is in a good shape. And you need to take into consideration with these healthcare names, Aussie Dollar as well, that are off, mm -hmm. uh, you know, operating mm -hmm. offshore. Um, Sonic Healthcare, so those are some of the main thematics. I just have lost the name of the analyst that I was speaking to a while ago about Sonic, and he had raised a good point where he said that the move to telehealth 
could also be very positive for Sonic in the long term because if a doctor's not seeing you face to face, they are potentially more likely to send you to go get yeah. some blood work done, you know? And then that yeah. might be a long-term um, tailwind for Sonic as well. And then we've got these mutant strains of the virus. Yeah. I mean, this testing regime, we don't know when it will go away. Yes, it's true. They've been they're definitely a beneficiary of this COVID and there's all different plays on, on how it could turn out. But I'm a bit like Michael on this one in that, I, again, I'm cautious in buying something that's been so propped up because of COVID, just because you've got to ask the question, what happens when those tailwinds start to fade? And will that core business pick up the slack quick enough to offset the fading COVID tailwinds? Um, Sonic Healthcare has been a, a decent performer over a long period of time, going back sort of five years ago or so, the government decentralized pathology clinics, whereby they didn't have to be in mm -hmm. certain areas, they could become more suburban. And what ended up happening at that point in time, it was primary healthcare, which is now Helios, Sonic Healthcare. There was a bit of a land grab of sorts for good quality locations, which ended up pushing up the rents of many of these. Yeah. yeah, so you have to understand within Australia particularly, um, the revenues are somewhat capped by governments um, de determining what you can charge for pathology clinics and what you can charge people for certain tests. But Sonic pivoted away from Australia and has really now a very large international presence. Um, and I think at one point in Germany and, and places like that, they were doing the most tests by some way when it came to COVID. I'm not sure what the numbers are recently, but they've definitely positioned themselves in the center um, of, of being a, a core business, um, a, a core um, company that's required through this COVID situation. So they put themselves in a good position. I'm just a little concerned about how it's gonna play out for them once COVID and the vaccines start to get rolled yeah. out. Chris, that is not a buy from either That's one of our Michaels no. in studio today. Life 360, 360 is the ticker code coming to us from Omer for Omer. Guys, this is a social family social media yeah. platform. It allows parents to sort of track where their um, kids are going. Don't know how the kids will feel about that, but mm. regardless, it's interesting because I was reading a report on it saying that uh, December quarterly revenue jumped by nearly 40% top of management guidance. And even though a lot of people are not able to be as mobile, really, particularly because it's got a big market in the U.S. as well, they've still seen more customers coming mm, on board. Yeah. So is this, is this an app that you think has legs, a company that you would be willing to put your clients' money into? Look, it's definitely interesting. It's out of, I think, Silicon Valley in San yeah. Francisco. So. It's a business that's been well backed. I'm not sure why it's decided to list in Australia. That can sometimes be a bit of a red flag, but um, it's got applications across a number of different things, not only tracking your kids. I'm not sure how much I would have liked that growing up, but you can obviously track older one, older elderly loved ones as well, um, amongst a number of other things. My question is about competition, um, satellite, tracking isn't that uncommon i mean look at your phone your phone tracks everywhere you go if yeah. you go into your settings you can see your most frequently visited places etc so i just worry that this company although it's doing wonderful things at the moment and the interface is obviously very usable because people are liking it long term um, how much power do they really have in the market like that so when looking at companies to invest in economic moat is something that i do look at mm -hmm. and a competitive advantage and i just don't think this business has a sustainable competitive advantage. What's the moat? Do you believe mm. that it's got a moat? I mean, there are so many social media platforms, uh, you know, and, and yeah. apps that are competing for our hearts and our minds. Yeah, look, I no, I wouldn't 
buy this. They've, they've, I don't think they've got a moat. As, as Michael said, the, uh, half of what they do, you could already do on your phone already. And it's not, I mean, you could maybe point to all sorts of apps and say, well, okay, why use Facebook? Someone else could come in and do it. But, you know, it's not like, it's not like the kids are going to be so excited about this app that this is the one that they want. Yeah. If anything, they don't want this thing on their phone. I mean, I only looked it up this morning. I hadn't heard of it. And I was just reading the website thinking, you've got to be serious. I would not, this is, I, I mean, my kids aren't old enough yet to drive, but... You know, you, you want to instill some sort of trust in your kids and responsibility and so on and, you know, put an app on their phone that tells me what, you know, where they are and the path they took and the average speed in their car. And it's just, I just, I wouldn't use it. But look, having said that, I, you know, I'd invest in companies like Afterpay. I don't use Afterpay and mm-hmm. Aristocrat. So if it's an investable company, even though I think it's, I wouldn't use it. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't, to me, it just doesn't have a moat. We could track people already with our mm-hmm. phones if you know what settings to, to, to install and someone else could come in and basically do this quite easily. I think, unless I'm really missing something. Yeah, so, well, I mean, um, it, it's possible, but that is your view, <laughs> so that is a no. I'm just moving us along because we have one more on our list. Beam Communications, I had to look this one up, but it's basically SATCOM equipment. It's operating globally, so it's in Asia, the US, Europe, and the UK. It's communications via satellite technology. So this was initially, I think, born out of some work that it did for Telstra mm. here in Australia. Does Beam have a moat? Um, not really either. Um, I mean, we can see that sort of with the satellite phones. Um, yeah, look, I mean, their earnings have been all over the place the last few years. I mean, in the last year, they've started to, um, to get a bit of... Um, profit going but um, yeah look at I suppose at the end of the day it's a small company they've got the satellite phones they're starting to sell a few of them through retailers like Kogan and um, and, and I think Bunnings or, or Coles as well um, yeah I just don't see this company being able to even if they do have a bit of a moat I just don't see whether you know where there'd be enough growth in it for me to want to invest I mean at the moment they don't have a dividend so you're banking on Capital growth, um, yeah, I just don't don't see it at the moment. Where's the growth? Do you see it? I mean, I can probably see their target market. They're obviously trying to design communications for people that will work in remote locations mm-hmm. or in dangerous parts of the world. I think defence um, is one of their defense markets. Defence is a big thing. But this particular company, it's been around for a while. And, and as Michael points out, they've got a very lumpy balance sheet. They've never really been able to get on a trajectory which has been sustainable and compounding over time. And, and businesses like this, when the balance sheet's not great and they've had a name change, they've obviously had a period where they weren't trading as well for some reason, you've got to do your research into that sort of stuff. And then I must admit, I haven't delved into the, the nitty gritty about why it changed its name, why it was in a, such a big trading hole for so long. Um, and is it just rallying recently because of the the commentary which has been coming out of government about defence spending. A lot of defence type companies have seen a big tailwind in recent times. Is that sustainable? Will that fade over time? Um, so a business like this, when you're looking at you know thousands of companies on the ASX and you're only putting 20, 30 in your portfolio, you've got to ask yourself, are there better alternatives out there? And I probably would say that they are. Um, they've had a 
They've been around for a long time, but never been able yeah. to get on the right path. So for that reason, I'm going to steer clear. Warren BCC is a no, and I'm going to do something a bit unkind to my guests, but I'm doing it on behalf of you, viewer. So if you say there's a better place to put your money in this mm -hmm. investing universe, give me a buy. Ooh, what are we buying at the moment? I'll go Credit Corp, uh, reported yesterday. Really? Yeah, strong report. And that's the company, again, this, this has been around for a long time and has a very good track record. Um, they had a bit of a hiccup last year, but, but who didn't? Essentially, Credit Corp, what they do is they buy debt that's in arrears from 30 to 120 days. They buy it for, say, 20, 30 cents in yeah. the dollar, and they go around and they chase up that debt. Uh, they've got a very good track record of making sure they don't pay too much for these distressed mm -hmm. debts. Um, they've got expansion going on overseas in the US. Uh, they also, at the back end of last year, bought a, the collection house, a part of their debt ledger book mm -hmm. for a very good price. And by all accounts, that seems to be progressing well. So Credit Corp is a business that we hold for clients and been buying for new businesses too, new clients too. Good. Thanks, Michael. And you've had a few moments to think. So <laughs> what's your buy? Um, uh, I like Aristocrat. I mean, to me, it's a great go-to company. You know, they've been growing their earnings growth, double-digit um, percentages for many years now um, they're expanding into to the online gaming um, the share price is starting to move now so if you're a new investor I think you're starting to see now some good momentum come in and as I mentioned earlier in the show I think maybe because of the US dollar looking like it wants to head higher just for the at least for the short term um, it's seeing a bit of a kick along so it's still a few dollars under um, its pre-COVID peak and I think it's going to at least retest that. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I was a bit unfair because you gents have provided us with a few buys through the program. We always get emails saying, if everybody's been very negative, saying, well, just ask them for what they are buying. So there you go. Uh, I'll wrap it up. I'll do this quickly. Flight Center is a no from both. There's still too many unknowns. Michael was generous. He would rather buy Sydney Airport or Auckland Airports as well. Look, it's something that Michael Gable might dabble in in time, but it is not a buy right now. IDP Education, look, Michael Wayne is reticent to jump in because we've got the report coming up. However, he does like the company and he has placed clients in it. It is a buy for him. Again, Michael Gable says, wait for reporting season. Um, you know, there's not a lot of safety margin because it's been doing so well. He says the cynic in him, because all of the brokers are buying overweight, is that, you know, potentially it is a sell. So IDP is not going in the portfolio if it's not there already. Sonic Healthcare is uh, a no. I'm just a bit cautious from both of them on these companies that have been propped up by the pandemic. Core business, though, is pretty good. Michael Wayne points out that here in Australia, at least some of the costs or some of the, the margins, some of the prices that they can put out there are capped by government, so maybe it's as good as it gets. And I think that's pretty much the sentiment from Michael Gable. They'll do okay, but uh, you know, it's probably not gonna shoot the lights out. No moat for Life360, it is a no from both of the gents there. When it comes to Beam Communications, BCC, at the top bottom of your screen, again, uh, where's the growth coming from, is the question that Michael Gable asks. And Michael Wayne is questioning if it's got a bit of a leg out because of this thematic of defense spending, how long will that last? And you got a couple bonus buys, Credit Corp, and also Aristocrat Leisure. That is the program. Guys, thank you, Michael Wayne from Medallion. That was fun. Michael Gable from Fairmont. Always appreciate your time. If you would like us to cover a company, flick us an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at ausbiz. TV. We are on every weekday from 12 to 1. And if you'd like to listen to this again, we'll get it up on the website and our app and as a podcast ASAP. Stay with us.